I want to talk to you tonight about how to be delivered from financial bondage. And I'm going to tell you before I preach this sermon that there's not anybody here that needs it more than I need it. I, uh, I must confess to you that what I'm going to say, I'm going to have to apply to my own life. But in the uh, study and the research and the development of this thing tonight, I've made some decisions on my own that I want you to make with me. And I'll join you if you'll join me in doing what we're going to talk about tonight as we begin to discover how to be delivered from financial bondage. It is a fact tonight that we are in financial bondage. If it is not true, if that is not true of you individually, it is true of our nation. We are in economic uh, straits and trouble. And one of, the, one of the things that, as you know, as you watch television and uh, read the newsprint, is that we are trying, our administration is trying to get some hold on the... Um, inflationary economy and the uh, out-of-control economic system of our day. And that's a great concern. Eighty percent, as you see in the introduction, eighty percent of the people who get a paycheck on Friday are, are the average American citizen when he gets his paycheck on Friday has eighty percent of it already spent before he even cashes it. And the average American will have spent 110% of his income this year. And we just kind of juggle, you know, we kind of juggle it. Does that sound familiar to you? I kind of let this payment ride five days longer and, and pay this one and kind of, you know, it just kind of mounts up toward the end and there's a day of reckoning somewhere. And if you know anything about uh, what's going on in our nation, you know that somewhere sometime all of this has got to stop you know somewhere there's going to be an economic day of reckoning and so I want to talk to us tonight about how we individually can be delivered from financial bondage and this I think is at the heart of prosperity I want to read two passages of Scripture. One is found in the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, verse 7. And the other is in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 8. The, Rome, the uh, Proverbs passage reads like this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And the 13th chapter of Romans, verse 8, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now I want to just go with you right down the line. And uh, it'll not be, you know, you won't be jumping up on your pew and, uh, you know, shouting hallelujah about a, uh, you know, it's an inspiring sermon. But uh, don't you agree with me that, it, that sometimes, I hope that you agree with me, 
sometimes it helps for somebody to come and tell us how to do some things. Uh, I had a guy tell me one time at the end of the service, he said, when are you preachers going to wise up? He said, you tell us all the things that we are doing wrong. He said, when is somebody going to come and tell us how to make a difference, how to correct that, uh, how to change? That's what I want to try to do right here. First of all, how do you get in financial bondage? There are seven of those things. Number one, by buying things that you can't afford. By buying things that you can't afford. Now, it doesn't take an economic genius to you know, come up with a statement like this, but it's something we just have never really learned. Um, you know, when I discovered financial, you know, when I discovered installment buying, I thought that was the easiest thing in the world. I thought I'd found heaven, paradise. My father would never buy anything on credit. He never bought a thing on credit. And when I got married and got on my own, and I found out that you can buy things and you don't even have to pay for them, you know, you can get them on credit, Man, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. This is it. I can have anything I want. Buying things that you can't afford. Secondly, by investing unwisely. Now, sometimes these unwise investments are made in order to get rich quick. I have a good friend who was a deacon in my church in, in, at Fort Worth. He was making a tremendous salary and was on a good, had a good job in Fort Worth. And these people came through there, and he was a banker, and they talked to him about a get-rich-quick scheme. And you just couldn't miss. And so in order to get rich just overnight, he took everything he had and invested it and lost everything he had. And now he's um, out of the banking business, involved, just barely hanging on by his fingernails. And that man at one time was a dynamic Christian, and all of that is gone. Investing unwisely. Thirdly, we get in financial bondage, young people, because of the carelessness of, with our money. Carelessness with our money. Now, if you want to get serious about how to handle finances in, in a Christian perspective, you just take 30 days. Now, I don't imagine many of you will do this, but if you were to take 30 days of your life, the next 30 days, and you kept a little diary in your pocket or purse, and you put down every penny you spent for 30 days, I mean, if you stop by the ball gum machine and you put a penny in you take out your diary and you put one cent chewing gum and you keep a record of every penny you spent at the end of that 30 days it would be amazing how much money is just thrown away wasted carelessly number three or four by the lack of forethought for the future not preparing for the emergencies that always come. Emergencies like 
illness and uh, that kind of thing, not preparing for it, not equipped financially with regard to insurance, so that when the disaster comes, when the problem arises, when the emergency comes out in the future, not equipped for it. Now I look, I see some of you just looking at me like a, you know, like a zombie. You know, you're wondering what's he, ta- what's he saying? I hope you'll get these notes, folks. And if you don't want to do anything else with those notes and to put them up, please get some notes. I'm going to tell you some things tonight. I wish to God I'd learned in some Baptist church when I was 21. There's a fifth reason why we get into financial bondage, and that is because of unemployment. Now, these things we can't help. Unemployment, loss of jobs. And we get in financial bondage, sick, because of long periods of illness. It's a disaster today to get sick. It is an absolute calamity to have to go to the hospital, especially if you're not insured. And even then, it's a disaster. And then seventh, the reason we get in financial bondage is that we withhold from God. Now, I want to tell you something tonight that I believe with all my heart. If a man is holding out on God and withholding from God what is really his, he's going to get your attention. He's going to get your attention. Now, what is the curse of, um, of, of all of this? It's the plastic money that we have in our pockets. And I go down to the store just like you do, and I pull out my billfold. Don't have any money with me, but I got this plastic money. And they're so glad to see that plastic money. You know, the, uh, the, the, the carton stores, etc. You know why? Because you're going to spend a half as much again with plastic money than you would if you spent just cash. Let me ask you this. You just, you just see if this isn't true. You go down to the store this week and you buy only what you've got cash to pay for, only what you've got money in your pocket to pay for, and I guarantee you, you'll spend less money if you pay cash for it than if you can put it on a credit card. You'll do it every time. As long as we have that plastic money there that represents free spending that we're going to buy without limitation most of the time, I mean, until they put that plastic money in the little computer and it rejects it and says you've got too much on that card, then you reach in your pocket and you get another one. Does that sound like anybody you know? Sounds just like me. That's how we get in financial bonds. Point number two. How do we know when we are in financial bonds? Now, sometimes, occasionally, some people will say to me, Listen, I'm, I'm in debt, and I don't owe anybody, you know, I don't owe any more than the average person. How do you know when you're in financial bondage? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the, 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 the uh, normal debts that you make and you pay off every month. I'm talking about those debts, those bills that you just can't seem to pay. There's just not enough money at the end of the month to pay. How do you know when you're in financial bondage? Number one, when you find that you don't have enough at the end of the month to pay your bills. When you can't pay your bills. Number two, 
when you begin to feel the pressure of financial problems, when you begin to feel the pressure of financial problems, when that begins to be a burden on you. And that leads to the third way that we can tell when we're in financial bondage. We begin to worry. There begins to be, there begins to mount up anxiety and concern and tension, and we begin to worry about it. The pressure mounts and the worry mounts, and you wake up at night and you begin to think about the, the money that's there, the money that's not there, the bills that are coming in can't be met, and we begin to worry about them, and the pressure begins to mount. Now let me say parenthetically at this point, I, I believe that, that there are some things that we would be better off doing without. There are some things. And young people, I, I think it would be better for us not to be able to get everything all at one time. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the older I get, the, 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 the more likely I am to say this. I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, but, you know, it seems to me that now when, when two people get married and they start their life together, they want everything to begin with. They want that brand new house. They want brand new furniture. They want a brand new car. They want everything at one time. There's something we better not have. It's better for us not to have all at once, at the beginning. You know, some of the happiest times, I hate to admit this, but some of the happiest times of my life were the, li were, were the times when Margaret and I were just struggling with nothing. We had a, uh, you know, a little... One bedroom apartment down there in in, uh, in, in Abilene, Texas, and, uh, and 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 one day some people came and literally brought us food. I mean, they were poor as we were, but they had some food. They had some food, and they came and brought that to us. And I passed a little church on the weekend, and they'd give us peanuts and and uh, you know and eggs, and I thought we'd eat through the week. And, and, and we were kind of, we were really kind of hungry during that time. I believe that might have been one of the best periods of our life. When we were struggling together, when we were growing together, when we didn't have everything, you know, just at our fingertips. I think sometimes it's good for us to have to work and do without in order to look to the future and, and begin to accumulate over a long period of time. We get in financial problems and we, it begins to bear down on us and we get in the press. I think we need to teach our children to avoid financial bondage. All right, number three. How are we affected by financial bondage? How are we affected by it? Does it have an effect on us? Well, first of all, we begin to feel pressure. Now, I want to go back up to that pressure idea of part two. There is internal pressure that is created by external circumstances. Internal pressure. Secondly, fear begins to develop. And our mind begins to be divided. And where fear is, it begins to negate faith. 
And we don't do a good job of what we're doing. We can't keep our minds on it. And not only does it affect us, but it begins to affect our family. I wonder how many families this week, this past week, argued and fussed and fought over finance. I just wonder how many did that. I wonder how much thinking has developed in marriages over financial burdens and financial problems. I wonder how it is affecting you. Fear and a divided mind, so that we can't keep our minds on God and on His Word, and we can't pay because every time we do, all we can think about is the fears that the bills are due, and I can't pay. Number three, we become resentful. And I want you to notice this. There's a still thing that can be said. We begin to resent the things that we've got we can't pay for. And so people say, you know, I've heard them say, well, he sold me this thing, but it's cheap. You know, they just don't make them like they used to. But not only that, we begin to resent other people who have, and we don't. And we begin to resent the sorrows that others make. And we begin to resent the wealth and the success that somebody else has. Resentment is built up. Number four, the way it affects us is that it hurts our testimony. It hurts our testimony. And I've gotten those calls as a pastor that have come to say, hey, you've got a member down at your church that sits on row one that owes me a bill can't pay. And it hurts our testimony. Now, I've come to the last part that I, that's the most important part of this sermon. Now, if you decide to take a break, come back in and let's get this away. How can we be delivered from financial bondage? The stereotype, now this is a preface to what I want to say. The stereotype that we place on the man in the family is this. That the man is to be the financial advisor and the financial leader in the home. He's to be the one that takes care of the finances. That's our stereotype idea of, of, the, of the man in marriage. But one time when I was, I was studying spiritual gifts, it just dawned on me that what if the wife has the gift of administration, spiritual gift of administration, and the husband does not have the spiritual gift of administration? Is he to be the administrator of the finances in the home if she's been given the gift of administration? And it kind of, kind of occurred to me, and I'm still wrestling with this, that, if a, that my role as a husband is to help my wife find and discover and manifest her spiritual gift, and if she has been given the gift of administration, then I need to encourage her to exercise that gift in our marriage and in our home. So that if God has given one in the, of the couples 
the gift of administration, that one should be the one who administers the finances. But if neither one or if both have the gift of administration, then I believe the husband as the head of that home is to be the spokesman with regard to financial matters. Now, sometimes we would think that the way to become financially free is to increase our income. Now, that is a way to becoming financially free, but it is not the way to become financially free. For a man can increase his income, I've seen this happen, increase his income and, and then increase his debt at the same time. Sometimes that is counterproductive, so it's not always the perfect answer. How to be free from financial bondage. I want you to get this when we're home. Number one, there has to be a desire to be financially free. Now, folks, there is a bondage of alcohol, and there is a bondage of adultery, and there is a bondage of sin of every kind. But, folks, there is a bondage of financial debt and responsibility that is just as enslaving and self-defeating. I want to be free, don't you? I want to be free financially. I want to be free from this bondage. I want to be in a position that I'll not have to worry. I can live in freedom to let God use my life. I want to be financially free. Number two, you've got to believe that you can be financially free. Now, if somebody has told you to the point that you believe it, that you're going to always be in debt, everybody's going to be in debt, that debt is a way of life, then you already cracked out. But if you can believe tonight that you can be free from financial bondage, young people, you can live a life free of financial bondage. Number three, and perhaps this is the most important to this point, you've got to believe that God wants you out of financial bondage and that he will help you get out of financial bondage. You see, if we, if we believe that this is what God wants of us and that he'll help us, then that's going to keep us in here. That's going to keep us at it. That's going to give us hope when the difficulties come. Now, it is true tonight that God wants you to be free from financial bondage. He's already said that a man becomes a slave to the lender. He's already said, Oh, to no man what you cannot pay. So God wants you to be free and he wants to help you to get out of financial bondage because God is interwoven into the daily life of every one of us who sit out here in this auditorium. Number four, begin to give to God. Begin to give to God. Now that sounds so paradoxical, but it's so true. 
you're in financial bondage, you can't pay your debt, you can't even pay the bills you have, begin to give to God. You try it. I went by this afternoon to see an elderly man who's a member of our church kind of shut in. So I listened to your sermon this morning. He said, I've got a feeling some of the folks didn't like that sermon. But he said, I like it. He said, I, my wife and I were in a terrible car wreck, an accident. You may even recognize that. And he said, when we were flat of our backs and we were about to die, and that was just a few years ago, and he was in his 80s, he said, we decided right then we were going to die. And he said, I want you to tell those folks down there. He said, I, want, I said, can I use this testimony? He said, I want you to tell those folks down there that tithing has not cost us, it has paid dividends for us. You give to God and God will take care of you. Number five, make a list of all the, now here we go to the practical, now stay with me. Make a list of all the people you owe and how much you owe them. Mercy. Get out the scroll for me. I'm rolling down. All right, now you say, I've done this before and I've heard this before. Now stay with me because you're here going to hear something different. Get your family together. If they're old enough to understand, nine or ten, whatever, get your family together. And get the list there, the people you owe and how much you owe them. Because you want to involve your family in this. And I'm preaching to myself now. Now, you're going to join me in this, I hope. You're going to get your family involved in this because for several reasons. Number one is because you want them to be a part of the solution. They are part of the problem. Uh, amen? They are part of the problem. Now, you want them to be a part of the solution. And you've got the children there, and you've got who you owe and how much. The second reason you want those children there is that you want them to learn. You want to teach them how not to get into bondage. You're going to teach them spiritual things. You're going to teach them things of God. You're going to teach them not to get in bondage. How to help you get out, how to be a part of the solution, how never to get in bondage when they get out, get on their own. Oh, folks, I hope you realize how serious this is. Now, this is not a sermon on hell. It's not even a sermon on grace. But it may be the most practical thing you've heard this month. How we need to teach our children in this area. Now, you've got the list. And you've got how much? Put a date by each one you owe when you are going to pay that one off. Now, you may have Montgomery Ward out here and you own $50. That's all you own. You put a date there when you want to pay, that, pay Montgomery Ward off. And that's going to help you zero in on paying that debt off at that time. And now, when you get a date on it, see, that just, that just solidifies it. That just firms it up. 
you're not just saying, now we're going to have to pay Montgomery Ward off and just keep on doling out that interest in those installment payments. We're going to pay Montgomery Ward off by October the 31st. And you put a date out there, $50, and you join together and you covenant that in October 31st, Montgomery Ward's going to be paid off, or May 2nd, or whenever. Number six. Start thanking God for the financial freedom he's going to allow you to enjoy. Now, it's important that you don't start praying, Oh, Lord, help me in my finances. Oh, Lord, help me in my problems. Because that's majoring on, you know, on the problem. That's zeroing in on the negative. Begin to start thanking God that he's going to set you free or help you be free from financial bondage. Begin to thank him for it every day. And when you get your family together, if you do for family devotion, in that time then, begin to thank God that he's going to make it possible for you to pay debt X off at certain times. And you pray together, thanking God as a family. Now I want to say two things before I go to point seven. Avoid, just don't do it. Avoid arguments about finances. Don't ever say another cross word to one another about finances. Now if you're going to zero in on the positive and you're going to begin to thank God for helping you be financially free, you're going to have to start stop fussing and arguing about finances. Just make up your mind you're not going to do it anymore. And secondly, avoid conversation about your debt. Nobody wants to hear about your debt. Okay, number seven. Recognize the payment of these debts as a divine obligation. Recognize the payment of those debts as a divine obligation, you've made a promise. And as a Christian, you're going to keep that promise. It's a divine obligation. Number eight, periodically review your financial expenditures. Get together and review what you're doing and keep it fresh. Review your financial expenditures. And number nine, increase your income. Increase your income. Now, I always feel a little awkward when I do something different. And I always wonder what, you know, and I, and this is, you know, my own poor self-image coming up to the surface. I always wonder what you're going to say when you leave tonight about, about that. <laughs> what your response is going to be. But I'm hopeful that just maybe one or two of you sometime, five years from now, can look back and you're financially free and you're able in freedom and peace to serve God and to give to his church, you'll be able to say, I had a pastor one time. We ran him off after preaching that, but I had a pastor one time that said some great things, and I'll be forever in debt, no puns intended, 
I'll be forever in debt to him for what he said. Now I want us to bow and be dismissed. Father, there are all kinds of bondages that bind us. There are all kinds of enslavement and traps. And what we want, Father, for this church is freedom. Is freedom. Freedom to be ourselves among each other. Freedom to serve you without worry and without fear. Freedom. You have said that we shall know the truth, and he, the truth, shall make us free. Freedom from financial bondage, that's what we desire. And help us not just to practice it as an individual, but to practice it as a church. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.